Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the Madison area and surrounding communities. I'm Bert Zipperer, a member of MTI Retired. Thanks, thanks to you, all of our listeners. Your support helps make Labor, labor Radio and all the great programming on WORT possible. Hello there, I am Anna Ham, a proud member of the WORT Labor Radio News Collective because I have a nose for news and I like to pick it. Today we celebrate Nurses Week, learn about the upcoming NLAC food drive, get an update on CUNA Mutual, appreciate our teachers, and much more. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining member of WORT and Labor Radio. As workers at CUNA Mutual Group look at a potential strike, a community group has rallied to their support. Greg Gaboski reports. Last Saturday morning, on the steps of the State Capitol Building in Madison, the Forward Marching Band entertained the crowd as people gathered in support of workers at Madison's CUNA Mutual Group, members of OPEIU Local 39, who had voted to authorize an unfair labor practice strike. One of the many unfair labor practice charges was the firing of Local 39 Union Steward Joe Avica, who addressed the rally and who had a grim message on the state of bargaining. The company accepted the two days of mediation on May 10th and May 16th. The union put forward 10 days to meet between May 5th, which was yesterday, and May 18th. So in a 14-day period, we had 10 days of availability that we said that we were available to bargain, including the, the seven days prior to potentially going out on strike from the 12th to the 18th. The company accepted none of those days, except for the days that the mediator was available. And that's despite the mediator recommending that the company meet with the union outside of formal mediation to try to come to an agreement to avert a strike. With the management of CUNA Mutual Group, or Trustage, as they are currently rebranding themselves, dragging their feet on coming to an agreement, a strike by the end of this week seems more likely. In response, Local union members and community supporters have formed the OPEIU 39 Community Solidarity Committee. Labor Radio spoke yesterday to Scott McCullough, a member of the Wisconsin Professional Employees Council, AFT Local 4848, and a member of the new Solidarity Committee. McCullough explained why the committee was formed. So the OPEIU 39 Community Solidarity Committee is a group of community members who are working with the union, with OPEIU Local 39, which represents workers at CUNA Mutual Group. We're working with the union to help them get a fair contract. They've been negotiating for 14 months. They've recently taken a strike authorization vote, and if they aren't able to get a secured contract with the company soon, it's looking very possible that they're going to go on strike. So we are trying to work with the union to help build community support for their campaign to get a fair contract. McCullough described the committee's plans. What we've been doing is making plans to reach out to other community organizations, be they 
labor groups, nonprofits, faith groups, other civic organizations, and to encourage them to make public statements of support for the workers at CUNA Mutual Group. So the union has a petition online that we're encouraging folks to sign. The union has a strike fund for if they do go on strike, and so we're encouraging folks to donate to that strike fund. And then we're also um, looking for folks to make plans to come out to picket lines if the workers do go on strike. McCullough summarized what people who support Local 39's struggle can do. The main things for community members to do are to to sign that letter and petition, make statements, be they on their social media, on their websites, or to send letters to the board of CUNA Mutual Group. And then as well for groups that have large memberships, to reach out to their memberships and let them know that a strike could be happening in the next few weeks and that folks are welcome and encouraged to come and walk the picket line with the workers, that that would mean a lot to folks. Here again is Joe Avica. We're here today because we need to show the company that we're ready to strike if we have to. None of us want to strike. All of us want a fair contract. And we're going to do whatever we need to do in order to get a fair contract. It was Joe Avica, Chief Steward for Workers of OPEIU Local 39 at Madison's CUNA Mutual Group, speaking Saturday at a rally for his union at the Capitol. The newly formed OPEIU 39 Community Solidarity Committee, the CSC, has set up a page of links to the pledge, to the strike fund, and to further information at linktree slash OPEIU CSC. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash OPEIU CSC. Or you can redirect through bit.ly at bit.ly slash opeiucsc. Further information is available through emailing the local at communications at opeiu39.org. Should there be a strike, picket lines are expected at CUNA Mutual Headquarters at 5910 Mineral Point Road in Madison. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky. Keith Steffens spoke to Michelle Orgay, director of Second Harvest Food Bank, about the rising food needs in our community and the Saturday food drive to be collected by letter carriers. Have you worked with the NALC food drive in the past, the letter carrier food drive? I've been in food banking since 2001. This is the third food bank I've been at. And yeah, I've been working with the National Association of Letter Carriers Food Drive for many, many years. Been um, great meeting folks and how dedicated folks are on top of an already tough job. And then picking up all this different food, it's something I've been doing for many years. And so I'm, I'm really glad that we're at Second Harvest able to be the partners this year. What kind of demands are being made on the food banks right now? The way we've been describing it is that Food insecurity wasn't a rosy picture before the pandemic. And at that time, we were distributing about a million pounds of food per month in our 16-county service area in southwestern Wisconsin. And then during the pandemic, there was there were spikes in need. And we had started distributing about 2 million pounds of food and went back down a little bit during times when there were different supports for families. And what tends to happen at the end of the school year as far as demands on the school, uh, on the food banks? Kids who receive lunch at school, lunch and breakfast at school, aren't going to be receiving that anymore. Uh, they're going to be, there's going to be increased pressure on families to provide those meals at home. And the increased child care costs for, for families in the summer when, while well, parents are at work, they're 
are increased childcare costs. And so there are not incre- increased food costs. There's increased many different costs. For many families, summer is a time of, of celebration and uh, vacation. And for others, it can be something that brings a lot of anxiety because of the increased costs, the increased meals. And now that those supports are ending, uh, housing supports and child tax credit advance supports, food share SNAP benefit um, uh, supports are being reduced and other healthcare supports and things. We are seeing those height of pandemic numbers again. We're at about 2 million pounds a month again at a time when the cost of goods for folks is at about 20% higher than it has been. It's not a good combination uh, for folks. I'd really like to thank the National Association of Letter Carriers Branch 507. It's really tough work to, to be out they're already doing the routes and then to add the collection of, of food on a Saturday on a, on Mother's Day weekend, it's really appreciated. And there's a lot of volunteers that are also at all of the um, stations of post offices that, that help out. It's a long day. Is there anything you would like to add for our listeners? We really can't thank you enough for all that you're doing. His name's Mannix. Joe Mannix. National Nurses Week concludes today. In Madison, nurses are stepping up and they're making their voices heard. This week was National Nurses Week. Victoria Gutierrez, a union nurse with SCIU Wisconsin, tells us about the importance of this week. Nurses Week is May 6th through May 12th. It's an actually internationally recognized week. And what our union is doing is on May 11th, we are organizing a taco truck and it's from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And what was uh, really great was Union Cab of Madison actually did a resolution in support of union nurses and donated their taxi stand so that we could put El Burrito Loco taco truck there. That's one thing. But on a more serious note, today, Friday, the nurses sponsored the second Honor a Nurse and Save a Life blood drive. So why are the nurses doing this? Um, We really believe that it's important to recognize the contribution of nurses, to draw attention to nurses, um, not just in our jobs, but also in within our communities you know our communities are healthier are stronger due to nurses earlier in the week seiu wisconsin nurses were at the state capitol where they met with lieutenant governor sarah rodriguez the nurses were demanding that lawmakers show their appreciation for nurses by supporting funding for the health care worker trauma recovery and development program Labor Radio asked nurse Alex Dudek, a leadership committee member of the nurses union at the University of Wisconsin Hospitals and Clinics and working at the COVID ICU at UW to explain the issue. We were standing together to really encourage uh, state lawmakers to 
maintain and increase some of the funding for our healthcare workforce in the state budget. What I primarily spoke about was um, the state matching funds for our healthcare workforce uh, trauma and recovery uh, development program so that we can um, identify solutions for supporting recruitment, retention, mental health, and continuing education for our healthcare workforce. Dudek emphasized that this is a statewide program and that rural hospitals and those providing home health care services desperately need this program ensuring that we have enough um, caregivers, you know, supported to to care for our aging population here in Wisconsin. We're just not meeting our needs. Dudek also noted. Home care workers are, are taking care of, of some of our um, elderly patients, people with disabilities under really challenging conditions, and they're not currently um, getting uh, the pay or, or benefits that they deserve, struggling to care for their own health and well-being while caring for people in our state who are in need of help. Um, and that impacts, you know, my work in the hospital too. If I can't send my patients out to uh, a safe environment for them to heal in, um, then it's it's just not it's it's just not doing a good service to our our fellow Wisconsinites who need good health care. She concluded with these trenchant comments. It's so essential for those legislators who supported us throughout the pandemic, who called us heroes, um, whose loved ones were cared for uh, by us in our ICUs to you know put their money where their mouth is and, and support us with that kind of funding and, and support those provisions in the governor's budget. Nurse Dudak also made this comment about Nurses Week. For Nurses Week, what we really need is we need to be heard um, and we need our um, healthcare administrators, institutions, our legislators to listen to what we are saying and know that this is an emergency, the healthcare workforce crisis in Wisconsin, and we need to address it now. That means putting funding in the budget towards our healthcare workforce. I know teachers are struggling with the same thing. Nurses and teachers, unfortunately, kind of have this um, fight hand in hand. We're often um, compensated in the way we deserve, and we're caring for some of the most vulnerable people in our communities. Um, education, and healthcare are part of public health, and we need to dedicate our funding to that. Overall, hospitals in Madison gave Nurses Week short shrift, refusing to recognize its existence. There is no evidence that hospital management's appreciation for nurses will extend to addressing the issues of wages, working conditions, and staffing, or in the UW's case, recognition of the union. Thanks to Victoria Gutierrez and Alex Dudek for their interviews. I am Frank Emsbach for Labor Radio. Labor Radio spoke to Peggy Wirtz Olson, high school teacher and current president of the Wisconsin Education Association Council, or WEAC, about how best to show our appreciation of teachers during Teacher Appreciation Week. This was Teacher Appreciation Week, where we honor teachers and we honor them by helping to keep them in our classrooms. In what ways do people celebrate Teacher Appreciation Week? As an educator for over 20 some years, there are many ways that we celebrate teachers this particular week, from gifts to school breakfasts and lunches that may be put on by your parent teacher organizations or your administration. I know at the Wisconsin Education Association Council, we're really shining a light on this Teacher Appreciation Week about actions speaking louder than words, passing that state budget that's going to fund our public schools and help ensure that our education are going to stay in the classroom by seeing appropriate levels of pay. What are the key asks in this current budget? 
The four areas I'm going to highlight about the upcoming budget, the $2.6 billion that the governor has placed in general and categorical aids for public schools are really a critical piece. And that's $1 billion of an increase in funding to special education over the biennium which would really increase that reimbursement rate to 60% in both years of the biennium. The other two areas I wanna highlight that are critical for our students are the mental health supports that the governor had placed in the budget. He talked about 270 million in the Get Kids Ahead program. We're really shining a light on the 120 million for Healthy Meals and Healthy Kids initiatives. Do you have a favorite teacher who impacted you? I had a fantastic high school English teacher, Mrs. Agnew was her name, her love for reading and writing and her inspirational way of working with every student is what really inspired me to want to teach. How can people best support teachers right now? As I've been saying all week, actions speak louder than words, right? So we are holding a rally on Saturday, May 20th, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday at the Wisconsin State Capitol, two o'clock. And it's a rally to support Governor Evers' budget. The way to show your support for teachers is by joining with us, standing with us at the rally to really show that support for the governor's budget and funding our public schools. Is there anything else you'd like to add? If you want to honor teachers, help to keep them in the classrooms. A small note, a thank you, appreciation, those always go a long way. And then stand with us in supporting full funding for our public schools. That was Peggy Wirtz Olson of WEAC. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Labor Radio. This week, educators again stressed the needs faced by Wisconsin public schools post-pandemic and after years of frozen funding. Elementary school principal Nikki L speaks to the mental health needs that she's seen at her school. The importance of the impact that our students have with unmet mental health needs cannot be understated. The data collected by the U.S. Department of Education shows that 70% of public schools reported a traumatic jump in the students seeking mental health services following the pandemic. Nearly half of the schools are reporting that they can't meet the needs that our students currently have. They're not effectively providing counseling to support these students, and 76% of the public schools reported an increase in staff voicing concerns about their students. And really, it's now that we need to listen to them more than ever. Our students are showing symptoms of depression, anxiety, trauma. We have seen that firsthand here at Northside and Cooley Montessori. Our students are struggling with interpersonal skills. They're having a difficult time making relationships and appropriately handling some of the daily mishaps that come about throughout their day. This has taken a large toll on my staff, and they too are struggling from some of those same symptoms. Now more than ever, it's crucial to support our teachers and to help create environments in which they not only want to stay in the profession, but we are continuing to encourage young educators to come into the field. 
and provide support for our profession. Eleanor Roosevelt said it the best. I used to have this quote in my office and I carry it with me wherever I go. And if you love your own children, you must invest in the care for all children, for our children must go on living in a world run by all children. Dan Rossmiller, the Government Relations Director of the Wisconsin Association of School Boards, speaks to the fiscal challenges faced by public schools. Although many factors contribute to students' academic success, research suggests that among school-related factors, it's teachers that matter most. Who among us doesn't remember a special teacher who inspired us, gave us confidence, and motivated us to do our very best work? Teachers are foundational to the success of the next generation of young adults. But teachers deserve more than just our thanks. They also deserve respect and to be treated as professionals. Sadly, teaching has become less attractive as a profession. Not only are fewer people pursuing teaching careers, but 20% or more of new teachers leave the profession within their first five years. For many teachers, compensation is one of the factors. A recent survey by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York found that elementary education and special education were among the 10 college majors with the lowest median salary within five years of graduation. In today's job market, it's relatively easy for educators to find higher paying jobs with less stress and more respect outside of teaching. Having spendable resources equates to the ability to attract and retain our teachers. That's why it's so concerning that in six of the last eight school years, school leaders have been provided essentially no increase in spendable resources for school districts. By failing to adjust Wisconsin's per pupil school district revenue limits for inflation, our state policymakers have effectively frozen school budgets. That has driven increasing numbers of school districts to seek local voters' approval of referendums simply to maintain programs and staffing for our students. That was Nikki Else and Dan Roskmiller speaking on a May 9th webinar for Teacher Appreciation Week. As the grandson of Nelson Mandela embarks on a U.S. tour, including a stop in Wisconsin in support of Palestinian liberation, the president of a Madison-based local union explains the importance of the Palestinian cause to workers everywhere. Greg Jabowski reports. Nkosi Zwolevelile Mandela, an elected member of the South African National Assembly and a member of the African National Congress, chief of the Mandela royal family and grandson of the late Nelson Mandela, will tour the United States next week from Monday, May 15th to Saturday, May 20th, speaking in six cities in support of solidarity with the Palestinian people. The tour begins in Milwaukee on Monday, May 15th, the 75th anniversary of the Nakba, the mass expulsion of the Palestinian people at the Declaration of the State of Israel. Mandela spoke to Labor Radio from South Africa on Monday and explained why a leader from South Africa will be touring the United States in support of Palestinians. We come from that brutal past of uh, 350 years of colonialism, coupled with uh, 60 years of apartheid brutality under the apartheid regime of South Africa. Ours coming to the United States of America is to draw on the parallels of our own struggle for liberation and that of the Palestinian people, and also highlighting the similarities when uh, we speak in particular to the United States of American uh, government and the administrations that supported apartheid South Africa, who continue today to, appar- to support apartheid Israel. Mandela described the significance of May 15th. I will be coming on this 75th year of the catastrophe, being the Nakba, which 
killed over 700,000 Palestinians, evicting over 3.5 million Palestinians out of their homes and forcing them into exile, into refugee camps, and into the diaspora. And the Palestinian cause has the support of organized labor, both abroad and in the U.S. One national union that has shown long and consistent support is the United Electrical, Radio, and Machine Workers of America, the UE, whose UE Local 1186 represents workers at the Madison area's Woolley Street Co-op. Labor Radio spoke yesterday to Mike Tomaloff, president of Local 1186, who is also an at-large member of the National UE's General Executive Board. Tomaloff was in Pittsburgh on National Union Business and spoke to why support for Palestinians is important to his union and to workers everywhere. He noted the UE's early support for a call for boycott, divestment, and sanctions of Israel, or BDS, support which the UE continues despite constitutionally questionable laws demanding, as in Wisconsin, that those granted state contracts sign an oath denouncing BDS as the condition of the contract. The UE has been an endorser of BDS movement since August of 2015 in an effort to pressure Israel to end the occupation and grant Palestinians their freedom. And we're the first national union to, to do so. And in so doing, joined the COSATU, the Congress of South African Trade Union, uh, Unite the Union from Britain, and other labor unions supporting a BDS as a step towards justice and peace in Israel. Tom Loff says that the UE's support of BDS is tied to its support of the case of workers in the U.S. and worldwide. The global BDS movement arose from a 2005 call by Palestinian trade unions and human rights groups. This is about human rights. It's about worker rights. And it's about union rights. Our position is different in that we focus on those labor rights and attacks on Palestinian labor rights. But it's also about if the U.S. unions don't follow this model and don't endorse the BDS and are seen as tools of the government rather than in solidarity with the workers of Palestine and Israel, uh, that they deserve, working people all around the world deserve foreign policy based on diplomacy, peace, and international solidarity, not the exploitation of a group for, for profit or for power. Kamaloff considers next week's tour by Nicosi Mandela in support of Palestinian rights to be consistent with what his union is fighting for. It's not you know, a surprise to me that the grandson of a great leader like Nelson Mandela would be in favor of this movement. I mean, prominent human rights activists, including Desmond Tutu and Jimmy Carter, have uh, described the system of Israeli rule over Palestinian people as apartheid. And the, the double standards and human rights abuses that are shielded by the U.S.'s aid and use of their U.N. veto to shield Israel from these larger criticisms. There was Mike Tomaloff, president of UE Local 1186, representing Willie Street Co-op workers and a member of the National Union's General Executive Committee. Listeners can find a full list of the many communications in support of the Palestinian struggle by the UE at the union's website at ueunion.org and searching on the term Palestinian. And Kosi Mandel will be in Milwaukee this Monday, May 15th at 7 p.m. at Milwaukee's Turner Hall, 1040 Vell R. Phillips Avenue. Ticket and other information is available at mandelatour.com. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky. And now, some announcements. The National Association of Letter Carriers Stamp Out Hunger Food Drive is happening tomorrow, Saturday, May 13th. This is the largest single-day collection of food, both locally and nationwide. The collected food helps to replace food provided to school-aged children through school lunch programs, which terminate during the summer. Please leave only non-perishable food items out that day for your letter carrier to pick up. They request that no glass containers be left out. Please take food in glass containers directly to your local food pantry. Volunteers are still needed that afternoon at two locations in Madison, the South Side Station at 820 West Windgrid Drive and the Capitol Station at 702 East Washington Avenue. 
If you are available to volunteer that afternoon, please contact AFL-CIO Community Services Liaison Ann McNeary by email at labor at uwdc.org or call her at 608-246-4355. The food will go to local food pantries, including communities outside Madison, to their local food pantries. The Letter Carrier Food Drive helps stock food pantries for the summer months and reduces food insecurity for thousands of people in southern Wisconsin. Thanks for listening to Madison Labor Radio. I'm Bert Zipperer. Thanks to editor Frank Emspeck, assistant Robin G, reporters Greg Jaboski, Sean Hagerup, Janine Ramsey, Carol Whitell, and damage control specialist, the inimitable Joanne Powers, as well as a fabulous, always fabulous, Anna Hum. Special thanks to Keith Steffen, our reader coordinator, web poster, Anya Yu, and to all of our readers and the members of IBEW Local 2304, WORT Staff Collective. And I'm Anna Ham. We also like to thank all of the generous contributors to Labor Radio and WORT. Now stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts and the Professor Bill Clark. <laughs>